0: Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, your adoption show. I'm April Fallon, enjoy this episode. Hey, everybody, this is April Fallon, your host of Adoption Now, telling your adoption story on your adoption show. Welcome to season seven. Yay. We love our community and the passion our listeners share with us to know more about adoption and foster care. We are constantly learning. As a mom of four children through adoption, I am so grateful for the connection this podcast has brought to our family. If you're new to Adoption Now, we tell stories from the perspective of the adoptive parents, adoptee, and birth parents. And when you combine the three important roles of the triad and give them all a voice, you get a clear picture of the whole story, the beauty and complexity of the adoption story. We are a nonprofit, and thank you to all of you who have donated to help us produce this show. And it is National Adoption Month. Oh my goodness, we're so excited. November is a very, very exciting month for so many families. And if you are finalizing this month, we'd love to hear your story. Email us at info at Okay, we have a great guest on today. She is a strong adoptee voice. And she can help you so much if you're an adoptive parent. I loved pre-interviewing her and asking her so many questions about her life, her relationship with her adoptive parents. When Aiden Lincoln wrote us, she told us a little bit about her story, and I'm just going to read you a little bit about it. I was born in China and abandoned at birth with my umbilical cord still attached. I spent the first years of my life in an orphanage before my amazing and loving family flew halfway across the world to adopt me and bring me home to Pennsylvania, shortly before my first birthday. But coming to America didn't solve all my problems. As I experienced the trauma of adoption and mental health issues, including a battle with anxiety, ADHD, regular outbursts, and struggling getting people and teachers to understand me, things really started to change in third grade when I got an amazing teacher that turned into a lifelong friend. Aiden, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It was a long time in coming. We finally got you on. I know. (laughs) I think it was like in the springtime. Yes, yes. Okay, let's go back to the beginning. Why did your parents decide to adopt?
1: So my mom really wanted a girl and she had already had two boys, my two older brothers, Alex and McLean. And my parents either could have try for another child, and they talked it through, but they really wanted a girl. So it was like, do we chance it or do we not? And they had new- known um, a friend who had gone through the adoption process and actually adopted a little girl from China, and they were inspired by that. That They decided to take the next steps uh, for adoption, and China is actually one- the one place where you can choose the sex, and girls are, like, abundant in China. Mm -hmm. so they thought that would be right for them, and they decided to take those steps, and the adoption process was super quick for them, like a few months, and
0: then they were flying over to China to get me. Oh, my goodness. What year was this? 2001. Okay, so they flew to get you, and what is the story that they told you about meeting you and the whole process?
1: That they uh, actually had to take a trip. So they flew into, like, another part of China. And they actually had to take a train to get me. They went with the group, they went through an adoption agency. And I guess they had, they sat in this room with all the other adoptive parents that were looking to. And they brought the babies out one by one. And my parents immediately knew because they got sent photos before that's how everything got sent through the mail. And that's how they, that was the first photo of me that they saw, the first connection that they um, were able to receive. And they brought me out and they, like, they immediately knew. I guess that my, they put me in my mom, mom's arms. They both cried. And I guess I really liked my mom's hair. That's,
0: hmm. <laughs> and so you didn't cry?
1: Didn't I, my parents cried. I most likely did.
0: Did they tell I, you? I imagine I would. Yeah, because I always talk to people and say, can you imagine just being a baby and you know the people who are taking care of you? And then all of a sudden you're placed in somebody else's arms. You don't even know the people and they're American. You've never seen people that look like that before. How terrifying that moment would be. And for some babies, they scream and they cry. Some some do nothing. Some just are very quiet, very shy. Did your parents talk to you at all about that?
1: Yeah, I think I've seen photos of it. I think I was kind of just in shock. I knew I cried a lot. I can't imagine it was easy on myself. I know that one of the first things my dad did to me was put me in an Eagles dress um, back at the hotel. And I guess he Mm -hmm. was shaking me. One thing that I was told was
0: that he was shaking me like in the bed and I tooped all over him. Oh, no. Like trying to play with you?
1: Yeah. uh, (laughs) After I'd eaten and i know that i had a hard time sleeping um I, I, that was something that kind of followed me into like as a young child um but yeah i do know that i did cry a lot can't be easy and that i loved my mom's hair because actually you would shave all the babies heads in the orphanage to prevent lice
0: mhm and so you're probably fascinated with hair since you didn't have any
1: yeah yeah i think that's what I think that's my what my mind was going through. Is, Ooh, hair, it's so soft.
0: Aww. It's so playful. <laughs> and this picture is so sweet. Where was this picture taken when you met your brothers, when they flew back?
1: Yeah, so that was actually at Newark Airport was the first day that I came back. My brothers, Alex and McLean, didn't actually go. They stayed at home with my grandparents. And so that was the first day coming home and meeting them at the airport.
0: Okay, so I have a big listenership of families right now who are waiting to go to China and they've been on lists for a long time, but because of COVID, it all got shut down. And I had this woman reach out and she said, would you shout out to all the families waiting? We're just really discouraged and we're struggling because we really want to go over and bring home our babies. They want this story that you're talking about. And sometimes when you tell your story, you don't recognize that people are wanting the very thing that you're a part of. I mean, isn't that, and I know that you and I are going to talk about, you know, the good and the bad, but just on the unbelievable side, you're telling a story that people right now, they are dreaming of the day that their baby will recognize their hair, play with their hair, and that that will be their moment. Do you have anything to say to encourage them? Don't give up hope. I know it's not easy, but you will get to that
1: day of meeting your future child and this is I can only share my perspective every perspective is going to be unique you share the perspective a, of an adopted parent but I share my perspective of an adoptee and, and you know it's not an easy journey and that's what I will say it is a journey and it is not an easy one It has its ups and downs but you will see the day that you get to meet it.
0: I hope that that encourages you. I promised you, I would not forget you. You all know who you are. You wrote in your story and we just continue to believe for you as well. Okay, Aiden. So you come home and what was that like? What was that transition like for you?
1: Obviously, you know, I I don't remember the exact, like what I was exactly feeling. I can only hear from my parents of what um, it was definitely hard. I cried a lot. I Again, I had a very hard time sleeping. You know, new environment, people that are speaking a new language don't look like anybody that I've seen before. And that's hard on anybody, but mm-hmm. especially a child. And I think given that I was spent the first year of my life in a crib and I didn't have that connection, it was hard. I
0: know it was hard. Mm-hmm. How did you know the story about your umbilical cord still being attached?
1: It was Written in like the adoption paperwork through the adoption agency that we went through is local to eastern Pennsylvania, where I live. And they forwarded the papers like the Chinese government wrote a little about the information about what where I found and a little bit about my first year. And that's how I knew because the police had found me. With my bill, oh, Okay. Matched,
0: and it was okay. Ruined. So how does that make you feel when you think about that? It definitely makes me emotional. Mm hmm. It's hard. Adoption has its ups and downs.
1: And looking back at it now, I say that it makes me a stronger person and it shapes me into the person I am today. Like what my birth mother decided to do affected the rest of my life for the better. Mm. But it was really hard for the first few years of my life.
0: Talk to us about that.
1: Yeah. So I had a really hard time fitting in. I struggled with separation anxiety. I always wanted to be near my mom and anytime she would leave me, it would have like raging outbursts and my school didn't know how to treat me. It was, they originally took a traditional discipline approach, but for many people who have gone through trauma, that traditional approach doesn't work. It just reinforces that feeling of not belonging, that feeling of fear. Mm -hmm. And my parents learned very quickly that it wouldn't work for me. My mom is an educator who knew kind of like the science behind it. And my dad worked hard every day to kind of change his mindset of the traditional parenting. And they really worked with my school. They really advocated for me. And it wasn't easy. I remember days having outbursts. I remember days spent in the principal's office crying, being put in timeout, you know, physical punishment. And that just didn't work for me. And it wasn't until third grade that things really started to change for me when I met my amazing teacher and lifelong friend, Crystal Carter. and I always say I have to mention her because she is a huge part of my story. And she always says, don't give me any credit. Like that was all you. Hmm. But she is a huge part of my story because I always say she knew where I was and where I needed to be and what resources she needed to provide to get me there.
0: What did she do that was different? What did she do that was different?
1: Yeah. So she... It was that really uh, connection that she gave me that I needed um, and n- no punishment. Like she never punished me. She never yelled at me. She never kind of hit back at me when I was having an outburst. She held me like a baby. She hugged me. She consoled me. And with, I always had a behavior chart, behavioral chart, so I always would get little rewards. You know, it's always like here's a sticker for doing like so many whatever, like sitting quiet. Here's a sticker. And we would still have that, but to work for a sticker in my mind, it's like, why would I work for a sticker or like a piece of candy? She, her rewards were like having lunch with her, playing games with her at recess. And we had this little journal that if I had a question, I, that wasn't appropriate to ask in class. Or if I wanted to tell her something that I couldn't just blur out in the middle of class, I would write it down. And at the end of every day, we would journal back and forth to each other. And that really was a connection that I needed and having lunch with her. And it really, really made a difference in my life and hers too, because I don't know how to describe it. Something special. I used to say it was state.
0: I love this so much, especially like I just always say the show is so beneficial for my family and i think about my little one right now she is struggling and you just opened my mind to something that she's very connected to us like as far as attachment goes she's very attached to us we did the attachment part we're super happy cuz that can be really hard in adoption and it sounds like you also were attached to your parents but you were looking for more connection you needed to connect with your teachers you needed to be understood and most kids do need that to a certain degree, but not all kids. And it sounds like the other teachers just didn't understand that or take the time to do that. But this was the first teacher that gave you that connection that you needed. That was beyond what your parents could give you.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And one thing that she talks about that I um, absolutely agree with is that the traditional teaching approach does not work for everybody. Traditional discipline does will not work for everybody. And it's really about like up to the teacher to kind of figure out what their students need and kind of cater it. And I know that's not always easy, but for different students, that's sometimes what they need.
0: I am so happy to have you on the show right now at this time. I always say that God knows the perfect timing, but seriously, this morning I was at a meeting this morning. I was talking to the school and we couldn't really figure out because my daughter, she did so great last year. And I'm like, she's so great. Is it because the teacher isn't strict? And I was going through all these things and you just made me realize it's because she's not connecting to the teacher and that really bothers her because she she's a type of person like you, she needs connection. And if she doesn't, she you would say she would have bad behavior, right? She'll act out, she'll do crazy things. Crazy things isn't like pulling sand in her hair. Like all these things are telling us. And I'm like, what? She doesn't act like this at home. But maybe it's because she's not connecting to the teacher and feeling understood. And maybe it's that she isn't going to go the traditional route. What would you say to another family who's thinking about this? And like, well, what do we do then? Because you can't connect to every single teacher.
1: Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. I think my parents were a big advocate. They talked to my school. I think resources is a huge thing bringing in other resources talking with uh, school psychologists or even like your own psychologist that you might be working with and having them kind of guide you through that process uh, reading about it joining facebook groups or other parents talking to other parents who have gone through the same thing you were going through again my parents are huge advocates with my school and that really, really helped me. And they really worked with teachers and my school to try to understand me because my school also didn't get me at first. And they, but they knew they kind of had to do more, but they weren't really understanding of that. It again, it wasn't until Crystal came along because years before I had had a really, really hard time going to school, outbursts every day you know, I told somebody in first grade, and this is so vivid to me. And it's not that I wanted to be seen as a bad kid. It just is how I reacted. I told someone that I would kill them with a gun. (gasps) And that was how bad like my behavior was. And again, I remember this day so vividly, I just remember the world kind of pausing and instantly regretting what the words that came out of my mouth. I remember the teacher just dropping the chalkboard and the chalk, I'm sorry, the chalk, and sending me out into the hallway and being sent to the principal's office. Well, actually the principal wasn't there, which I was grateful for, but my anxiety spiked. So I spent the day in the guidance office. And I just remember coming home that day and my mom like being so disappointed in me. And I was so regretful of what had happened. And that I think was like a core memory for me as to like how bad my behavioral was. And it's funny because like now looking back at it, because the girl that I had said this to didn't even remember, like it wasn't, it it might've been a core memory for me, but it wasn't for the rest of the people that were in that room.
0: So were you verbal? Were you a verbal kid? Like good with words? Were you loud?
1: Yeah. Yes, I absolutely was. And I still am. I definitely am not afraid to speak my mind. And that was an issue. The impulse control, I struggled with not saying everything that was in my head.
0: Mm-hmm. Were you strong-willed as well?
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I think I, tr- I know what I say, like, looking back, I tried my best that I could at that time. And, you know, my best was unfortunately outbursts and that's how I was coping or that's like all I knew. And I wanted to be the good kid. I just didn't know how to respond.
0: Right. And so when you said that to this little girl... What did you really want to say? What were you really trying to say? I guess it was probably me screaming out for help. Mm-hmm.
1: That's most likely what it was. And that connection and trying to get people to understand me. But that at the time was how I knew to get attention.
0: You know, I get this all the time, Aiden. All the time, people are saying to me, April. I adopted a child, whether it's from birth, older child, and they're struggling in school. And I don't know, maybe I should homeschool them. But then they aren't equipped to homeschool, right? They're like, I, I'll do it for my child. But I just don't feel like that's what I'm exactly supposed to do. But they're not fitting into school. And I'm at the school every single week. I just feel like I feel empty. I don't know what to do. Your parents did not pull you out. They just helped you connect with the right resources and the right teacher. I mean, do you think that pulling kids out and homeschooling them is always the answer? Or what? I mean, Obviously not, because that's not what they did. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, what is it that we can do as parents to really strengthen our children and help our children?
1: Just be an advocate for them. That's what I would say. Just work with the school. and. If the school isn't willing to work with you or you're not finding that right teacher, you can look into other alternatives. There are other, there's alternative schooling, there's online school that became a big thing with COVID there's homeschooling there's private school. And I actually did go to a private school for a few years after public school because my parents did not want me to go to the middle school near us, the public middle school, because it's really, really big. And They didn't think that would be good for me and what I was kind of facing and going throughout the time after fourth grade. And so they sent me to a private school and I wish I could say it was the best three and a half years of my life. That wasn't the truth. (laughs) I realized that in private school, they didn't have at at least the private school that I went to. They didn't have as many resources as the public school did. They didn't have as they weren't as understanding towards mental health. They didn't have 504 IEP plans. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that you really have to look at is, do you know, other people who have gone to the school you may be looking at that have children with special needs or have children that learn differently. And how is that school reacting or supporting or not supporting them?
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like they were trying everything. And I think the bottom line is, is that you saw that they were for you, that they were going to fight to get you what you needed.
1: Yes, that's 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 so true. And again, it, looking, it didn't always feel like that at the time, but looking back, that's so true. Like, I think my story would have been a lot different even today if my parents didn't have the resources that they did and the knowledge and the willing to work with me and psychologists and therapy and medication. And again, it a journey. It took a lot. It took years to figure out what I needed. And it wasn't an easy one on me or my parents, but they eventually figured it out. And I'm here today. I'm sharing my story.
0: That's right. That's right. And it's amazing. When did you get diagnosed with ADHD?
1: I was probably in kindergarten. So I, was, my, well, my parents always knew that I had something. Like they always knew I had really bad anxiety and separation anxiety from my mom. And I always knew that I was super talkative, and I still am. I still have have the ADHD, pardon me. And that that really never goes away. And um, they, you know, took me to different doctors. And I would say kindergarten, like, in between kindergarten and first grade, so, like, five to five or six that I really officially got diagnosed with ADHD and anxiety.
0: Okay, and did they medicate you right away?
1: Yeah, it was trial and error, but we did, yeah.
0: And do you feel like that helped?
1: Yeah, it, it did. And it's still the same. It, it took a lot. It, it made it worse. It made it a lot worse for a period because they tried dozens of different uh, drugs, and some of them made me just like super hyperactive and super like talkative and couldn't sleep at all. And some of them just made me like super tired, and all I did was sleep, and I couldn't focus in school. So it was really just trying to figure out what had the right medication for my body and for what I was experiencing, the symptoms, and the. So they finally had found it, and that's still the same treatment that I have today.
0: And how were you at making friends?
1: You know, that's something I struggled with, and I still do struggle with I, I, fitting in. It was a huge huge issue I never found I always longed for that perfect like TV best friend and I never found that and I either bullied people or got bullied for the first few years I definitely was the bully and I wasn't trying to be the bully but Hmm. it did that's how I came out as. and then after that had happened and I think like in middle school and like beyond I ended up getting bullied for how like my personality talking too much or blurting out the answers in class. And it wasn't until like junior year, well, I think like sophomore year, yeah, sophomore year of high school that i met my best friend who's still my best friend today. But I had gone through a lot of other friendships that either didn't work out or turned on me or I just was never able to find that. And even today, like I'm still living at home. I, um, everybody else said I knew they are away at college. So it is something that's hard. And, but I do have, I have found those connections throughout my life. It just took a
0: while. And how did you deal with being adopted? How did you feel about being adopted?
1: So I think in the beginning, I definitely resented it. I wouldn't say resented it. I struggled to fit in. I struggled with that connection. And that's what I had resented, that I didn't look like my parents. And I wondered, you know, I always knew I was adopted. It wasn't a question because both my parents are Caucasian. So And my brothers are, too. So it wasn't a question of whether or not I was adopted. I always knew I was adopted. That was just part of me. And I think I really struggled with that connection of why uh, all the other kids' parents in my class look like them, but mine don't. And I kind of was always like the oddball out. My town doesn't have a a high Asian population. Mm -hmm. So I was always the one or two people that were Asian
0: in my class. Did you know anyone else adopted?
1: Yeah, I did, but not I was not close with anybody that was adopted. I knew of people that oh my parents like knew or I just briefly found out one of my classmates was adopted, but I never was like friends with like best friends with somebody.
0: Mhm. It's funny that you brought that up. Just the other day my kids were watching StoryBots. I don't know if you've heard of StoryBots, but it's this like entertaining show where they teach you things about science, but they're like these bots and they're very, very funny. And they were teaching the kids about DNA and where or how do babies get here? And it wasn't like really graphic. It was more about DNA. And they were saying, you are a mix of your mom and your dad. That's why you have the color skin you do. And AJ goes, is that true? And then Lily goes, yeah, that's true. And he, he looked at her like, well, look at us. And she's like, but we are adopted. And he's like, I know, but still, like he thought there should be like a special teaching on like adoption and like adopted kids. And to him, he was like, that's ridiculous. And to her, she understood like, they're teaching like, you know, the basics, but it doesn't apply to us because we're adopted. And I just thought like, what a complex topic for kids, you know, to try to like make their way through that and try to make sense of it. And they, you know, their skin color obviously doesn't come from my husband and I, and there's somebody else that their skin does color. You know, it's like this whole thing that's big for kids and they're watching the show and it's supposed to be simple and fun and it's very, very complicated.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And again, I think it's hard um, that the media and the portrays that like there's, a is adoption is this picture-perfect. That's one thing that why I decided to advocate for adoption is because often it's portrayed as picture-perfect rainbow, like adopt a kid and you're going to save a life. And yes, that's true. Adoption is an amazing gift, but it's it's so hard. It's hard on everybody involved. And I think it's just about spreading awareness. And obviously the stories that you hear, that's not going to ever apply to anybody. And to be the oddball out is not fun.
0: Exactly. And one thing that
1: I always always say is that people need to stop using is, Oh, what happened to your real parents? Mm. I don't like that because my parents are my real parents. You mean my biological parents? Mm -hmm. That's I think like as a society that I I understand people need no, like malice intent or ill intent, but, and they don't know how to word it or they're afraid to ask questions. But I think that's something like I'd rather have people ask questions than just stare at me because that happened a lot, too. And I think it's really about spreading the message of, you know, changing people's mindsets towards adoption and towards like the feelings that people who may not be affected by adoption view towards adoption.
0: Absolutely. That's why we need your voice is to help. People understand how painful that is when you say, Where are your real parents? What happened? Why aren't you with your real parents? That really bothers my kids too, because they're like, These are my real parents. You mean you would like to hear my adoption story? Is that what you would like to hear? And then, you know, like you said, people are, they don't know what to say. And so then they're like, Oh, yeah, I mean your adoption story. I mean your biological parents. Of course they're your parents, you know, and it's just about education, as you said. Now, did you ever hear anyone? say to your parents oh you guys saved this little girl or did anyone ever say to you you're so lucky you have these parents
1: yeah they absolutely did and one thing that my dad always says and I noticed I listened to your first podcast and you said too that you're the like the child is so lucky the child the parents are the lucky ones too
0: that's right and I think
1: that's something to remember the entire family is lucky it's not just this child that's being affected my parents have Equally been affected by adoption for the better, the way that I have too.
0: Yes. And I would love to talk to your parents sometime. Yeah, we could absolutely. Because it just sounds like they just kept going. And sometimes when you feel like nothing is working, you feel hopeless or you feel like you can't help your child and you're trying so hard and they're struggling in school or they have behavioral issues and you know in there is a really, really great kid right? And sometimes our little people, they just can't express what's going on. Like when you talked about that story where you said that to that girl, you know, of course you didn't want to kill that little girl, but you had other things going on that you couldn't, you couldn't express. And adoption is, as you say, it's beautiful, but it's complicated. And it's a lifelong journey. You're committed to this journey forever. Your parents, but also you, your adoption story is forever. That's your story. And sometimes it's hard for children to really embrace that. They don't want their story to be an adoption story, right? They just want a regular story. And we want to shift that so that even society recognizes this is just another form of how you got parents or how you came into the world or how your parents became parents, right? It's just another form of how you were raised, It's not like you have a disease. Like, oh my gosh, you're adopted. You know, it's like, it's not like that anymore. There's so many more adoptions. And how can we shift it so that we're proud of that? That's a loaded
1: question. That's, I think that's a hard question because I always say that people are going to have different feelings towards adoption. The adoptee is going to have different feelings. I'm so grateful for adoption and don't, it's an amazing gift. They say it is an amazing gift. It comes with its struggles though, and everybody is going to have different feelings towards it. But I don't think that people should be resenting their adoption or the fact that their parents, their birth parents, gave them up. And I, I again, I, it's hard. It's absolutely hard. And I, I wish I had the words to maybe come off as I know what in my heart and my mind, but it's hard to put that into words. Mm-hmm. I guess is what I
0: have to say. So do you think you can get to a place where you're proud of your story or is that not, is that too complex or too, um, just not the right word, proud of your story, maybe not the right word, but more like you accept your story and like you, you share your story. That's what I would love for my children to go into is like, this was messy and really hard at times, but I want to share it so that you understand what you're getting involved with. It doesn't mean I want to stop you, right? You don't want to stop people from adopting. You love adoption. But also, here are the layers of what it's like to be adopted and be a part of adoption story. More like that. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And I love adoption. I have never, another thing to mention here is I've never resented my adoption. I've always had questions, and I'm a strong advocate for adoption, both for my story. And I always say that my struggles and my hardships got me to where I am today. And I think that's something else to remember is that as hard as it is now that parents might be going through something or their child might be going through something, ultimately, I think that our struggles and our stories make us a better and stronger person.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Do you think you ever go back to China?
1: Yes, I absolutely do want to. And i that's something I've
0: always wanted to, just, you know, maybe not right now. How old are you? I'm 20. You're 20. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. You are going to encourage so many people. You really are. I encourage you to keep going with your truthful and honest story, but also so enlightening and just encouraging that everything you have been through up until this time is making you who you are.
1: Yeah, that's so true. And I always say this again, I always say that my struggles make me stronger and I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't have accomplished the things that I did if my birth mother had kept me or had hadn't chose adoption for me. And I couldn't imagine my life, what my life would be like without that. At the same time, I always say at the same time too, my American culture is a huge part of my life. And I think I'm more American than I am Chinese just because of what I've grown into, Mm -hmm. grown up in. And again, a huge part of my life, but so is my Chinese culture that, and I think about it almost every day. And I wonder, and it's questions. I think that's hard for people, the adoptee and the adopted family, the what ifs or the the unanswered questions. And especially for me, because I don't know any, but I don't have any biological information for my biological family. I don't know the story. I don't even know if they're alive anymore as I was abandoned at birth. And I hope to one day answer those questions. I hope to one day try and kind of solve that mystery. That's part of my life. But at the same time, I think that, you know, it was fate and God put me here to meet the people that I've met and impact people that I have and people that uh, and, and the opposite is true too, is that my parents would say the same thing is I think that God put us here for a reason. And I trust that he has a plan for me in the future too.
0: I love that so much. What do you want to be when you grow up? I want, I'm i currently going to
1: school for, for general studies, just by local community college. And in the fall, I hope to transfer for business. And then after hopefully getting a degree in business. I want to go to law school and
0: hopefully work in the music and entertainment industry. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Aiden. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoy these talks. And thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our weekly podcast and follow us on social media. Thanks for joining us on your adoption show. See you next episode.